0: The Wills will not be here today, uh, but uh, so I need to place this uh, somewhere it might be needed. See, I'll I'll put it in the back row there. Sharon, you're you're in charge of. If anybody gets out of line, anybody gets out of line, Sharon, you're you know go for it. It's the attitude adjuster. Oh boy, well, they wear it out. We um, right. all right. It's time to begin. Okay, let's have a word of prayer and get started today. Father God, we come in Jesus' name, because there's no other name under heaven given among people that by which you must be saved. Father God, we pray for your touch upon our time in the Word today, that you would strengthen us, encourage us, inform us, convict us, challenge us, and empower us. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. 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 We're going to be tackling some interesting subjects today, some unpleasant, some uh, much more pleasant. But we're looking at Amos. Amos, we're going to start with chapter 5, looking at prayer principles in the prophecy of Brother Amos. Amos chapter 5, verse 18 through 24, we welcome those that are watching on the live stream and we trust that the internet is working better this week than it did last week. Because it didn't last <laughs> week. Amos chapter 5, and beginning with verse 18. Woe to you. That's a bad way to start it. <laughs> Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. For what good is the day of the Lord to you? It will be darkness and not light. It will be as though a man fled from a lion and a bear bedding. Or as though he went into the house, leaned his hand on the wall, and a serpent met Is not the day of the Lord darkness and not light? Is it not very dark with no brightness in it? I hate, I despise your feast days. I do not savor your sacred assemblies. Though you offer me burnt offerings and your grain offerings, I will not accept them. Nor will I regard your fattened peace offerings. Take away from me the noise of your songs, for I will not hear the melody of your stringed instruments. But let justice run down like water, and righteousness like a mighty stream. My, my, my. Wow. It's a tough one. Amos uh, was born in Tekoa. South of Jerusalem, but God called him to minister prophetically to the northern kingdom of Israel. You remember, at a certain point in time, uh, after Solomon and his his son and Jeroboam and all the split that happened there, there's a northern kingdom of the ten tribes, and two tribes, Benjamin and Judah, in the south, and Judah for the most part was the more spiritual of the of the land the northern kingdom especially under Jeroboam when he uh, took all those people up up with him to follow him as king he established a new temple not one that God had authorized and he pulled in all kinds of uh, false deities and they were worshipping Jehovah God but they were also uh, Baal's alright too you know and uh, uh, we'll 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 have sacrifices and we'll go through the same motions that they're going through at the real temple down in Jerusalem and uh, it'll be alright and this massive group of people had bought the line that It's different, but it's okay. I could preach a while on that one. (laughs) It's different, but it's okay. So Amos is called by God to leave a righteous, a fairly righteous land. There were many good kings in Judah. You can't find one in the northern kingdom of Israel. They're all worse than the one before them. They seem to stand on each other's shoulders and get worse and worse and worse and worse. Up in the north is where you ultimately have Ahab and Jezebel and and all the ones up there that are killing people right and left and killing the prophets. How would you like to be Amos? And the Lord says, my son, I've called you to be a prophet to my people. And he said, okay, okay. Not these people, (laughs) those people. (laughs) But uh, he prophesied through several different kings up in the northern kingdom. And his prophecy was basically judgments coming, judgments coming. His name means burden-bearer, and he lived up to his name. He had a burden on his heart for the people that he was, was <clears throat> prophesying to. But he had a message from God that was totally unpopular. Message of judgment. The, the jet seemed to be landing outside. Sounds like, my goodness. I don't know what's going on there. (laughs) Poor boy. uh, He begins in the first chapter of the prophecy of Amos with prophecies that have a unique cadence to them. For three transgressions and for four, I will not hold back. Uh, And then he talks about judging not only the northern kingdom of Israel, but the ones that uh, they're acting like. They're not acting like a godly nation under the one true God. The northern kingdom is moving farther and farther away from the principles of God and the worship of the one true God. And they've adopted the lifestyle and the worship of the Syrians the people of Tyre and Sidon, Edom, Ammon, and all of these peripheral kingdoms that surround them, and they were becoming just like them. And so there was judgments, not just for Israel, and ultimately Judah has to be careful because they're moving away from God too, not as rapidly as the northern kingdom. And so you have solo prophet Amos prophesying against all of these groups but his primary uh, injunction is against the people of Israel and their false worship and their false God. They're having sacrifices every day at their false temple in, in Samaria. They are uh, bringing in the sacre- there's having the feast days. Anybody remember why they built the temple up there and created their own priesthood, their own form of worship? Anybody remember?
1: Because the people of Israel were used to traveling
0: on the three main high and holy days, going to Jerusalem and seeing the grandeur of Solomon's temple and they say, boy, remember remember the day and it got to a place where people were gravitating back to Judah and so Jeroboam had to do something to stop that. He says, well, we're going to have our own temple and it's going to be wonderful and we're going to, we're going to have uh, golden calves and we're going to have, we're going to just be a a diverse
2: (coughs) church. Made up his own
0: priesthood. (laughs) Yeah, made up his own priesthood according to his own dictates. And they were not priests of God, they were priests of Jeroboam, basically. So this is the setting that we find ourselves in as Amos is prophesying to the people. And we come up to our portion of scripture that we want to focus on first of all as a prayer principle and he's speaking to who? Who's he speaking to? People of Samaria Samaria, the, the people of the northern kingdom they're engaged in all these kind of things they're still having their worship and their songs and their festivals and sacrifices but he says in verse 18 woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. That sounds kind of strange. Mm-hmm. For what good is the day of the Lord to you? The word there for desire is what we're going to focus in on today. The entire theme of the book is impending judgment. Israel, Syria, Gaza, Tyre, uh Edom with a there's an E left over at the top line it did. it changed itself God is sending imminent judgment this is not talking about end time judgment we'll speak about that in a moment this is that there are times that God says that's it it's happening now The first principle we want to look at today is be careful what you pray for. Be careful what you pray for. Now why why is uh, Amos telling the people in Israel, Woe to you who desire, or the word there is avah, and it means to desire, to wish for, or to pray for earnestly. Abba. Why is Amos, why would you think Amos is telling us, telling him, you're in woe to you, you're in a heap of trouble, because you desire the day of the Lord. Why why would that be a thing that a prophet would say? Isn't it good that people are praying? Isn't it good that people are seeking the Lord? Well, he says you're in a heap of trouble because of it. Be careful what you pray. Why would Amos say something like
1: that? Because they're not ready. They're
0: not even serving God. <laughs> they're not serving God. They want God to come and help them against their adversaries. They want God to step in and help. Well, that's just not right. I'm, I'm Lord. Deal with them. Deal with the wicked people. Uh-oh. You're the wicked people. It's not just the people that are coming. You're the, you're the wicked ones. They're praying for God to step in, the day of the Lord, God's God's judgment to come. They're praying for judgment to fall on everybody else. But he said, You're praying for something you're going to get. And you may not like the outcome of it. Uh, The the word Abba. He's telling them. Be careful what you pray for. Make sure that your heart is right with God. When you're asking God. To intervene. To Abba. They're earnestly desiring. In their prayers. Oh Lord. Come down and set things right. (laughs) No. and they're going to be on the receiving end of his judgment. We need to recognize that sometimes we can pray for things that may not be in our best interest. Um, we'll, We'll get into that in a moment. The people of Israel were praying for God to step in. Only problem is, when God steps in, He doesn't play by your (coughs) rules. He plays by His righteousness. Uh, Can you think of any illustrations, other illustrations, in the Scripture where people were longing for something or praying for something that was prophesied and they weren't ready for it when it came Washington, D.C. I'm
1: I'm
0: talking uh, about Bible. the Bible here. Talking Bible here. Any illustrations? We can think of a million illustrations today uh, in America. But uh, we're looking at Bible themes.
1: The Lord Jesus?
0: Yeah. The prophecies about the coming of the Messiah are all throughout Old Testament. Even from the coming of Messiah in Genesis chapter 3 verse 16. The serpent's going to bruise his heel but he's going to crush his head. Prophecies about the Messiah coming and, and having all of these things go on as a result of that. And so people were saying, even so come. Messiah come. Pleading for God to send a deliverer. To send. So first of all, look at the situation of the people of Israel in bondage in Egypt. Lord, send a deliverer. Isn't that what the, the scripture says they prayed for? For 400 years. Send someone to deliver us. What happened when God did they didn't, they didn't want a thing to do with him. They 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 rebuked him. They didn't want a thing to do with Moses. God sent him, he says, I have heard the cry of my people. I've seen what's going on. And there I'm going to come down, but I'm going to send somebody in my place. And Moses. Did Moses have an easy time working with the people of Israel? Not an easy time. You say, "Whoa, he got deliverance. Yeah, but look at the process. He goes down and the plagues of Egypt are happening and the result is not what the people wanted. We, We want to deliver. We want to get out of here, but you, you're making Pharaoh mad, and he's increased our output quotas on making bricks. Remember this part of the story? You're looking at me. No, he, uh, he, he said, you know, I'm going to make them build more bricks. They're going to, have to work. They're going to have to get their own supplies. And so the people came to Moses and said, hey, back off. Moses could have said, "Didn't you ask God to send a deliverer?" Yeah, but this is messing up our day. <laughs> you know the the plagues impacted their lives. Uh, the various things that happened, and they entreated Moses to knock it off. I guess we'll be all right. <laughs> They were willing to accept slavery and bondage. Even the death of their firstborn, their, their, their sons. They had cried for something, but when they got it, they didn't like it. And the illustration that all of you mentioned, the, the coming of Messiah, and the, oh Lord, send Messiah, get us out of the mess we're in. And then you have Jesus coming in on Palm Sunday celebration and and, uh, Hosanna! Hosanna! Lord save us! Now what were they wanting Jesus to do as he came down that pathway on Palm Sunday? We want you to be king. Earthly king. We want you to kick these Romans out of here and we wouldn't be Mad if kick Herod out too. You know. And uh, you know we we uh Yeah you know, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Hosanna. But the very the very moment that he goes up and cleans house in the in the temple, they didn't want him and they didn't want him anymore. Right? What does the scripture tell us that generally, you don't have to quote the verse, when after Jesus had kicked over the tables of the money changers and wrote, uh, yelled at them and used a whip, what was their attitude towards Jesus, the Messiah? They sought counsel that they might kill him. Be careful what you pray for. So, Amos is telling them, you don't know what you're asking for. Now, is it wrong for us to pray for the day of the Lord to come? No. But in the midst of that, we need to be ready for the day of the Lord to come. Why is that a big difference? What, what what makes the differentiation there? Why it's okay for us to, to pray that way, but not okay for everybody to pray that way. They just don't well, pray. It. They're they what? Can't it. I, I can't... I'm they're getting, not living what they're preaching. Right, they're not living in a way that God is going to be pleased with when He comes back. When God steps in He's not asking for anybody's opinions of who to take down. And you look at the at the judgments of God, and we'll get into that in a moment. Other righteous people were affected when God judged in the Old Testament. Weren't they? Mm -hmm. What about the uh, fall of Jerusalem and the carrying away and the captivity? of people. Mm-hmm. Was Daniel a bad dude that he What well, how about Shadrach, Bishak, and Abednego? They were really nasty people, right? And <laughs> yeah. Jeremiah, well, what a jerk he was. No. They were righteous. But they were impacted by God's judgment. Yeah. And we need to recognize that. Some uh, we need to think about what we're praying. And we need to be on the right side of God, when we're asking God to step in, have you ever had somebody come to you and want you to kind of negotiate in between two parties or a situate family issue? Well, well tell them tell them what you know, and, and the other person, no, you tell them this, and, and they want you to choose side. I'm wrong? Well, (laughs) and Amos is cautioning the people. You don't want what you're praying for. Not right now. You're not repentant. You're not humble. You're not right with God. You need to be cautious about what you're praying for. Uh, Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. For what good is the day of the Lord to you? What would happen if the Lord came to Columbus, Ohio to judge, or he came down to Washington, D.C. (laughs) to set things right? He said, well, that would be wonderful. Mm-hmm. But what about the folks that are there? They be dead. <laughs> we need to pray for... Uh, Grace was mentioned it before class started. We really need to pray for the salvation mm-hmm. of the people that we'd love to string up right now. Yeah. <laughs> because all of <laughs> judgment is going to happen. <laughs> folks... Yeah. There will be ultimate judgment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it may not happen right now, but some of you say, well, yeah. <laughs> but we need to we need to pray for their salvation because they're going to spend eternity in hell. Yeah. A lot and of the things that are going on. It says we don't know when
2: he'll be.
0: We don't know when he's coming. We don't know when ultimate judgment. Mm-hmm. There are also aspects, could God send an imminent judgment That's not the final judgment. Yes, he could. Yes, Yes, he could. And we need to be in a position with the Lord that when we're praying for judgment, (coughs) it's not so that we're very We really want people to repent. Their prayer was just for God to step in and do away with their enemies. Make it easier for them. But what their hearts—what should have their heart cry been? Repentance. And the souls of the people that are there. They had no concern for the souls. They just wanted evil to go away. Or the people that are being evil to them to go away. I like these lines here. It says, what good is the day of the Lord to you? You're going to be on the wrong side. It will be darkness, not light. You think, you think him coming is going to be a wonderful time. It will be as though a man fled from a lion and a bear met him. What a picture. Can you imagine the guys running from a, a, a lion and he runs smack it? Welcome home, son. <laughs> what? What? right into big grizzly bears. Oh, I just want to hook you. Uh, He paints the picture also. It it will be as though he went into his house and he's leaning on the wall and when he leans on the wall, the poisonous serpent bites him. (laughs) Is not the day of the Lord darkness and not light? Is it not very dark with no brightness in it? We need to be careful how we pray. If we're praying out of an attitude of Lord, show them I'm right. Lord, the people have been bugging me. The uh, Someone once said that how wonderful it would be to be a chimpanzee. <laughs> And I said, well, it's a stretch. They don't know that, that the chimpanzee
2: has to go through what has to go through.
0: Well, the, the, the chimpanzee, <laughs> you see, chimpanzees, they, they pick any bugs and things off and they eat them. Yeah. They eat what bugs them. <laughs> <laughs> To some podcasts this morning. And we boy, there's some strange folk out there
1: uh,
0: that are called preachers. One one guy true tuned into, he's uh he says, basically, you, you can't do anything in the Bible but the gospels. Because Paul was a liar. He's an alleged Christian pastor. Wow. And Paul said right there, he says, uh, if anybody else preach another gospel than the one I preach, oh, it's his gospel. It's false. He's admitted he's a liar. Where do you get this stuff? There's people out there that are that are saying, yes, we, we, we need the Lord to come back. But they are in, engaged in Teaching and preaching and accepting things that God doesn't accept. He's got the wrong translation of the Bible. <laughs> he was using the King James! <laughs> you know, because he was the King James only as well. But, but, uh, huh. uh, don't you, haven't you heard some evangelists saying that they, we need God to step in and, and set things right? But Phil, realize God doesn't play sides for us. He's going to go against evil and exalt righteousness. So, we need to, in our praying for the Lord's day to come, What would be some guidelines for us? You say, well, I I have prayed that. I have prayed, even so come, Lord Jesus. I'm I'm right there with John. But John also saw all the bad things that were going to happen when the day of the Lord came. But he embraced it because there was hope in Christ Jesus that you don't have to go to hell. You don't have to go through those things. But you need to be right with Him when the trumpet sounds. Uh, How should we pray for the day of the Lord to come?
1: That people's eyes would be open. It's a dangerous thing.
0: Pray that prior to His return or His judgment that people would respond to the gospel message. We also need to be doing something about that. Not just uh, asking the Lord to do it. Uh, I've got some coins here I wanted to pass out to people who are willing to use them. Okay, They're not worth anything. That's <laughs> Don't get your eyes. Oh, looks like a silver dollar. No, just the same size. But I've got these these coins here. And I'm going to put them right up here. They're little witness coins. On the one side, it has John 3.16. On the other side is a simple question. Where will you spend eternity? Oh, Anybody's willing to take one? I've got They're not for souvenirs. They're not just to toss. But to hand them to somebody. One, two, three, four, five, six. I got eight of them. They're right there. And you can get them anytime you want. If you don't want them, that'll tell me something. I'm just kidding. But we we can't just pray for people to hear the good news. We've got to be willing to share the good news. Okay? And to... uh, pass the word along to give a warning as the prophets are giving here. The prophets are giving a warning. As I said, I've been listening to some radical, weird, liberal, touchy-feely kind of podcasts of current preachers who are preaching false Teaching and doctrine and false hope and as I'm preaching to 25 people they're preaching to 2500 people that scares me that scares me so we want to look at this thing called judgment though the question we need, do we really want God to step in if we do We need to be on the right side of Him. We need to be praying. We need to have a compassion. God's not, if we're not in the position that God is, God's not willing that any should perish. God is not saying, I was waiting for a chance to send that guy to hell. No, we may have been waiting. How many of you got some folks on your list right now that... You wouldn't mind seeing removed from the picture. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody? Yeah. Yes. You got any people on your list? Yeah. They're not on God's list. Right. Think about it. This is a hard this is a hard teaching. Yeah. Yeah. With what we're going through right now in America. It's a hard teaching. But if we want someone to go into eternity without Christ. We do not have the heart of God. Wouldn't
1: that be the definition of the word hate?
0: Huh? Wouldn't <clears throat> that be the
1: definition of the word hate? You've yeah, to you're... hate somebody really bad to wish them in hell. Yeah. yeah.
0: And if you, you've got to hate them quite a bit not to share the way out. Yeah, exactly. So, do we really want God to step in? If we do not have that heart attitude it's it's something we need to pray about we need to ask God's help on because his judgment is not for your vindication or mine i told josh right it's like uh, you you've heard about the the lady who had she was dying and and she set aside money for her tombstone, and she wanted it done just exactly the way that she wanted it done. And so, when they, she asked that it be covered until the the graveside service, and it would be unveiled at that point uh, for everybody who came. Mm-hmm. And on her tombstone, it said, "I told you I was sick. <laughs> I told you." <laughs> just want to get that one last shot in you. Know. God's judgment is not your or my arm of retaliation. And if it is, our heart's not where it needs to be. You say, well, you know, we see all these bad things happen, and yeah, so we have to have, we have to increase our prayer life because I need to be more spiritual than I am because there's some people I just like to see out of the picture. Mm-hmm. And the Lord convicted me about that while I was working on this lesson. You'd be <laughs> thoroughly happy if that guy disappeared. <laughs> yes I would. So <laughs> he says, I'm not old. <laughs> Does God want to save everyone? Yes. Yes. Do I? Well, we'll
2: we'll. Process.
0: <laughs> we need to pray through on some of that yes. I, am I the only one who needs to pray through on some of that no. No. nobody's only a couple people willing to admit it but I I've heard your conversations <laughs> I know I'm right want to look at this subject of judgment for a few moments. Five facets of judgment in the scripture. The first one is imminent judgment. That's what Amos is talking about here. This is going to happen. And sooner than you think there's going to be plagues, there's going to be armies come in, there's going to be destruction, there's going to be lives lost because you haven't repented. If you repent you know you may not be affected but you may be because God is going to send judgment. It's imminent. What does imminent mean? It's Right now at hand. It's, uh, it's coming. This is not talking about end time judgment. It's not talking about when Jesus comes back or the the plagues of the book of Revelation. It's talking about various times throughout Scripture where God has made a judgment call on a particular people at a particular time. Can you think of some instances of God's imminent judgment in the Old Testament? Sodom Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, had those people been warned? Yes, they had, because Job was there. And he, by the testimony of the people that were outside his his house, wanting to work mischief, says, you've been, you know, hold yourself as holier we are. You know, you've been trying to change this town and everything. Yeah, he'd been a righteous witness there. But there weren't even ten righteous people in the whole Twin Cities. Before God's judgment comes, we find the message of repentance has gone out, and it's an imminent judgment. Can you think of some other imminent judgment situations? Yes. Uh, God
2: with the Pharaoh in Egypt
0: with the yeah. Jews. Was Pharaoh warned? Yeah. Okay. And every time he he hey hey uh, I'll let you guys go. Uh, just take off the plague and time after time after time after time the Lord was trying to give opportunity and chance he said he even gave the, the opportunity, he says there's going to be death that's going to come to the firstborn in every household but when I see the blood I will pass over They were given an opportunity and rejected and refused it. But prior to every imminent judgment we find in the scripture, we find God is intentional in offering repentance and warning that it's going to happen. That's what Amos is doing. It's going to happen, guys. Noah. Yeah, Noah. I mean, an elongated period of time, a hundred and some years, where Noah preached righteousness. Well, where does it say that? It says it in the book of 1 Peter. That Noah, a preacher of righteousness. For all this time, he's building the boat. He's preaching about the righteousness of God. And nobody's listening. The only people that were saved were his own household. But he gave them over a hundred years of message that judgment is coming. God is going to judge. Get your heart right with God. And they rejected it until the floodwaters came. And then they were beating on the outside of the ark to gain admittance. But the door was shut yeah. you know, Nineveh was warned, but they yeah God had said I'm going to send judgment on Nineveh wicked city state and to the place where and Jonah can relate to <laughs> to you and me
1: <laughs>
0: because Jonah was called by the Lord I want you to go to Nineveh That wicked city and prophesy against it. And he said, Oh, man, I don't want to do that. Not because he was afraid. He he, he wasn't afraid to go. What was he afraid was going to happen? (laughs) I know you, God. You're sending me there to tell them judgment's going to come and they're all going to be wiped out. And I'm all for that. I've been praying for that. Says, yeah, that's the reason I sent you. But he says, I'm not going to go there because I know what you'll do. They'll repent. When they hear the message, they'll repent and you'll forgive them. <coughs> that's just the way you are. And I won't get my vengeance on those people that have messed with with Israel. Mm-hmm. And so he takes off, hides out in a boat. Mm-hmm. He later goes down to, we'll be looking at him in a week or so here, but uh, goes down in the belly of a fish. And it's three days before he finally softens up and prays. <laughs> Any of you stubborn like that?
1: <laughs>
0: <We all>. Any you <laughs> stubborn like that? I think I can have yeah, he got to him after after three days in a sushi bar he's he's ready to leave and so finally he's okay I'll go I'll go and so he goes cleans himself off of, of, of fish puke and go, goes goes up and he starts at the outskirts and starts preaching all the way through the, the town and the people were right start repenting.
1: Mm.
0: And he, oh, man. (laughs) Even the king, he calls for, he says, we're going to have everybody fast and pray, if perhaps God will stay his judgment.
2: Do you know, what? I've had people tell me that I was crazy.
0: Yeah.
2: Because as much as I love God and everything, yeah.
0: They think we're nuttier than a freak king. I know, know, that's what they Get used to it. It's gonna get worse. <laughs> Just because I'm crazy
1: doesn't mean I'm not right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but because uh, it's the fool who said in his heart there's no God. But so he preaches and then people start repenting right and left, the whole country repents, from the king on down. And what does Jonah do after that? Is he overjoyed rejoicing? Hallelujah. Yeah. The people that I hated have come to Christ, have come to the Lord. What did he do? He's depressed. He's depressed because <laughs> God didn't blow him away. <laughs> is this a message we need today? Yes, it is. Impending imminent judgment. We see it throughout Scripture. In a variety of places, where God averts just uh, his judgment long enough to give a message of repentance, he gives a warning. He sent the the prophet after prophet after prophet to tell Judah, "Get your act together, or you're going in captivity." Mm-hmm. They wouldn't listen. So at the end of it, Jeremiah doesn't say, "Told you so." Now, he's called the weeping prophet because he's still weeping over their souls and the lostness. So, imminent judgment is one aspect of judgment in the Scripture. And we see it played out. God does not have to fulfill any prophecies in the Bible to enact an imminent judgment upon a place or a people. He will give opportunity for repentance, for the word to be shared, for people to turn from their wicked ways. But God could, I'm not saying He will, but God could enact imminent judgment on America. And He would be justified in doing so. We need to be interceding for the lost and also witnessing to the lost. Um, that's the reason we send missionaries overseas. The Connors just left there, probably landed in France, and are in their studies now, getting ready to minister there. The Cordobas are ready to leave. And uh, just, you know, we, we've we got to send our missionaries around to touch lives. Because imminent judgment could fall. And it doesn't have anything to do necessarily with the end time Judgments. You understand what I'm getting at? Don't say, "Well, I don't believe God's going to judge judge America until this." Well, uh, show me. He can do whatever he wants, can't he? So, imminent judgment is one aspect of biblical judgment. Second is individual judgment. At the point of death, there is a judgment of your righteousness. ability to go when we who know jesus christ as our savior when we die immediately our spirit is taken into the presence of the lord but what happens to the person who doesn't know christ as savior they lift up their eyes in hell in torment and there's no changing that there's no purgatory clause in the, in the thing. Pastor? Yeah. Since I accepted Jesus as my Savior, I found out that I'm not as popular and I do not have <laughs> the friends that I That's have. That's right. Exactly right. I'm uh, kind of standing on my own, so to speak. And yeah. uh, this is the way, uh, you know, the devil has shut you up. And, you yeah. Know, yeah. So what so we were trying to share Sunday morning about uh some people view their view of the cross is they don't want to get too close because it's gonna affect relationships. They want to be loved by everybody. Mm-hmm. Want everybody to like them. And if you stand for righteousness, you're gonna you're gonna be unpopular. Yeah. You're gonna be a real buzzkill at a party, you know. Because you're not gonna to want to do the things that everybody else is doing. Mm-hmm. So individual judgment at that point. Of of death, there is a form of judgment that the righteous go to their heavenly home forever, and the unrighteous go to hell. And we can't, we can't. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get into a time machine and I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna, I'm gonna witness to them. I'm gonna share Christ with them. No, we don't get a time machine. We have now. That's all we have. And we need to be sharing the word in whatever way we can. A third aspect of judgment is the judgment seat of Christ. Now this is judgment in a different way. The judgment seat of Christ, the word there is bima in the Greek. And it means reviewing stand. Believers pass the the judges reviewing stand, and they are judged. Linda and I watch these goofy uh, cooking shows, and they always judge the meals, you know. And they they get up there, and say, "Well, th- these were three wonderful meals," and they'll award immunity or whatever. You, you know what I'm talking about. You, they, they've done their best. They—they they, Some of them had some flaws in their in their recipe, in their cook. Well, you, it looked good except for all that mess on the side of the plate. You didn't get your plate on the, the table that was moving up and down and top-level chef or whatever. And, uh, but nobody is, is hurt. Uh, they may not be asked back for the next week but there's no pain inflicted on them it's a reviewing of what they've done that's the judgment seat of Christ it doesn't send one to hell but it reviews what we build our life on how we've tried to live and he says in some build upon the foundation, wood, hay, stubble, jewels, whatever. He says, but it's going to be tried by fire. Only that which passes through that is your reward. I believe that God is going to bring reward, at least one, a crown. A crown of life to those who love the Lord and love His appearing. So the judgment seat, it's a judgment, but it's, it's not a eternity-based thing. It is a reward. Uh, getting some good comments from the judge. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well, done, oh that was on the cooking show. Well done. Just kidding. Sorry, sorry. That joke, bad joke, bad joke. No joke at all, some <laughs> my family would say it. Uh, then we have the end time judgments that we see revealed in the book of Revelation. And they're also prophesied in other places in the Old Testament. End time judgments. The plague, the seal judgments, the trumpet judgments, the bowls of wrath. You remember we studied uh, those judgments as we went through the book of Revelation. And what was the purpose of of those judgments, those plays, to bring Jews to repentance, to bring people to repentance. They were not punitive, necessarily, because they were trying to draw. We we did all this, and yet they would not repent. They had a choice. They had a choice. God was giving another opportunity. When you see these things begin to take place, lift up your gaze, your redemption draw at night. And he was using the judgments not to penalize, but to elicit a repentance. You say, but it didn't work. Well, some were saved during the Great Tribulation. We've studied that. Okay, I don't have time to get into it right now, but some were saved multitudes were saved during that but they still had to go through the tribulation how many of you would like to avoid that? (laughs) be right with Jesus Christ every day of your life don't drift, don't veer off course have the heart of God towards the lost as well, Mm -hmm. not punitive redemptive. So end time judgments are another aspect of judgment in the scripture. And then finally the final judgment. There is going the gavel is going to drop one time forever at the great white throne judgment. And those who are righteous will be righteous still. Those who are wicked will be wicked still. And there is a lake of fire (coughs) reserved for those who have rejected Christ. But there are rewards and splendor in heaven forevermore for the righteous. It's worth it all. That old psalm that says, It will be worth it all
2: just
0: to see His face. There's the judgments. So as the first prayer oh, uh, the first prayer principle of of Amos, dealing with be careful what you pray and how you pray because if you're praying for God's judgment to be punitive you don't have the heart of God in your prayer. It's not so that we're vindicated and, and people who have messed with us suffer even though they see a show of hands. Those, you've prayed that prayer before, Lord, get them. Lord, get them. Uh, it wasn't righteousness that prompted that prayer. You were hurt. You were wounded. You were destroyed by somebody. And then you got to pray through it, Lord, okay. With your help. <laughs> I will pray for them. Mm-hmm. So, this judgment—we be cautious how we pray, and then make sure that we're praying in the right spirit yes. about the coming of the Lord. I have a question. Yeah. What?
1: Where? Yeah. We talked before. You know what issues. How? Pray for someone
0: that's hurt you. That's the right mm-hmm. Those that have hurt, I, I can only testify to how I have to pray a lot. Okay. Because you know, I can pray through about somebody who has done me irreparable harm and with God's help, I can pray for them, and ask for the Lord to forgive me for my feelings toward them, and uh, that I forgive them, I I don't trust them, but I I forgive them, and then I find myself down the road, something happens that reminds me, you know what I'm saying, something happens that brings it all back, and and you got Lord, Lord. and you gotta pray through all over again. There's one individual I have to pray through on a regular basis. Because never mind. I might have to pray through again today. I, I you know it, it, you understand what I'm saying? There's no quick fix patch. Uh, it's as it arises again. Have you ever had something in your carpet, and you walked across? Whoa! What was? What in the world was that? Yeah. And then you look for it, and you couldn't find it. Well, I had a a, a nail that was in the in the floor, and uh, I finally uh, nailed it down. But every once in a while, you know, they just kind of surface back up.
1: Yeah.
0: So after a while, I just made it a point, you know, I'm not gonna walk that way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna avoid that spot. <laughs> it's like the guy that comes yeah, in He says, every time I do this it hurts. He says, well then no do it. <laughs> Well, you won't see the hell, because you'll be in heaven, and there's no evidence that uh, you're going to have any vantage point. But I understand what you're saying. We we want we want them to be saved, but it takes. I don't know. Maybe I'm just not as spiritual as you. But I, I uh, it takes me continually going back to some of these issues. I think that's
2: what we all have to
0: do. So uh, if that makes me a uh, a spiritual wuss. That I'll have to honor that, but but I believe it's a very common condition. No matter what some people say, True. I think they may be fooling themselves. Thank you. The uh, I got to move quickly because I got two more principles. <laughs> In chapter eight, Amos chapter eight. <laughs> <coughs> beginning with verse 11 it says Behold the days are coming says the Lord God that I will send a famine on the land not a famine of bread nor a thirst for water but of hearing the words of the Lord they shall wander from sea to sea from north to east they shall run to and fro seeking the word of the Lord but shall not find it We need to be praying that there would become a hunger for the true Word of God. There's so much stuff out there that is not the Word of God. It's get rich quicks it's hype, it's success, motivational teachings. It's foreign to what Jesus taught and it's foreign to what Paul taught. Was Paul uh, on the success train when the Lord used him to write? How did he refer to himself? A successful corporate leader and entrepreneur. How did he call himself when he was uh, the least of the apostles? Paul, a slave, a servant of Jesus Christ. Servant was not a lofty thing. There is a corporate arrogance out there about the word and we need to we need to really pray and say well I don't think it's like that <laughs> well you can think what you like from my perspective we had a hundred and fifteen or twenty Sunday morning we don't this morning you say, well, a lot of them are working. Well, yes, some. Um, but I think I would have to set up extra chairs if there was a true hunger for the study of God's Word, mm-hmm. yeah. for it to impact our life. That's, that's my perspective. But I, I think that God's Word, you can develop a taste for it and a hunger for it. And I appreciate your faithfulness in coming out to study God's Word. And we have people that faithfully watch the uh, the services and the Bible studies and make comment about them. Praise God. But you know there needs to be more. We need to be praying for an appetite to be developed. For the true word of God. Not the fluff. Not the show. Not the, uh, but the, the true word of God. Because it's kind of a famine. And as we we talked about the book of Ruth. There was a famine in the land. Remember? Yeah. They were in Bethlehem, which means house of bread. But there was a famine in the house of bread. And things I, I turn to and see these people that are saying they're preaching the word, but they're preaching prosperity, or they're preaching uh, success, or they're preaching uh, You can have all the friends you want. They're preaching ridiculous things. God's purpose for us is to be happy. I'm sorry. It's not. I'm happy, but I don't have everything that I might want. But we can have a sufficiency in Christ. There's a perverted gospel going on out there. I got one more prayer principle. In Amos chapter 9, verses 13 to 15. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper, and the treader of grapes him who sows seed. The mountains shall drip with sweet wine, all the hills shall flow with it. I will bring back the captives of my people Israel. They shall build the waste cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink wine from them. They shall make gardens and eat fruit from them. I will plant them in their land. And no longer shall they be pulled up from the land I have given them, says the Lord your God. We've talked about it many times. but We need to pray for the return of God's people and the fulfillment of God's people coming back to Israel. It's called Aliyah or Aliyah. It's a return. I was looking it up where the Jews, it started in 48 when it became a state. And we need to pray because it's part of fulfilled prophecy. We don't know when the last person to arrive is going to spring the next aspect of God's end time prophecies but Israel is the time clock we keep an eye on Israel and we see what's going on and we realize the Lord could come back at any time so we need to pray for Israel we need to pray for Jews to be converted to the Messiah we need to uh, I'm thrilled that we're going to be the host site for a a Jewish leaders convention uh, Messianic Jewish leaders convention in July here at the church um, it's not for us to attend it's it's from all over the country Jewish Messianic Jewish leaders and ministers are going to be here I want to have a part in that and uh, we'll share how you might be a part of that as well later on but praying for Israel and praying for the Jews to return as one aspect of a fulfillment of prophecy. And I know I, I, I talk about it way too much but when it's in your heart, you just can't help it. Uh, I was so thrilled, Saturday we had our, one of our informational meetings here about the Israel trip and a, a couple from, they were in our church in Bell Fountain years ago and they heard that we were going and they uh, came and they said, you know, they just wanted to have a peace in their heart. And you people were so wonderful. They said they felt like they'd known you. They, they just felt a peace. And they called me uh, Monday morning to tell me they not only sent in their application, they sent in the price of the whole trip just to make sure everything was done, <laughs> signed, sealed, and delivered. So we're excited that they're going to be a part of our journey to Israel this year. Um, it's a part of our prayer life, praying for the peace of Jerusalem, praying for, for God to move. You say, well, I saw on the news. Well, first of all, be careful what you get from the news. It's not the whole story. But, uh, uh, yeah, they have problems like every other, other place has problems. And you say, well, what about Netanyahu? Uh, He seems to be stirring up trouble. Well, I kind of look him like like Moses. Jews are tough to work with. (laughs) Amen? They're just tough to work with. Ask Moses. Ask any of the prophets. Those Jews are tough. And uh, they don't like to follow just any old thing. They want their own way. The... uh, But our prayers, we need to watch how we pray for the return of the Lord. And we need to pray for reaching out to those who are lost. We don't want a punitive judgment. We want a restorative, redemptive judgment coming. And I'm going to close off before we pray. I want to play one of my favorite songs. Robert Goulet singing that You may like him or you may not, but I like him on this.
2: Robert mm. Goulet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like
0: him. <laughs> 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 they saw a the place where their children would be
2: free. life.
0: in quite a while. We were looking back over our notes, and I haven't done it here since uh, 2016, 2017. And uh, so we'll be doing that drama out there. My nephew's church, uh, the United Methodist Church in Powell, called Journey Community Church. So that's Thursday night. And my memory's not what it used to be. I've been trying to go over my script in my head. And uh, so i appreciate your prayers uh, for the Monday Thursday service out in Plain City. Other prayer requests today? Unsaved. Unsaved loved ones. Yes. Those that, uh, if Jesus came right now, would be left behind. We need to pray. Unspoken. Unspoken requests. Situations that just need God's intervention. Other prayer requests, yes. Especially with Israel and the United States. Israel, United States, our relationship, it always scares me when we take steps that distance ourselves from Israel. Mm -hmm. Uh, I believe that what God said in his word, that if you care for God's people, God's people will not only be cared for, but there will be a blessing on you, but if you curse them. Yes, if you stand in their in their way, there's a curse on you. How, how many of you need a good curse on your life? No. <laughs> <laughs> Other prayer requests? I, I
1: can remember a young boy. His name's Aaron. Aaron Lowman, And he's a dear Christian. man. Well, his wife left Okay. Oh, okay. And, <laughs> and he, <laughs> yeah, He's a wonderful man. I told him that we would pray for him. Well. Okay.
2: Yeah. Yes. yes. See, yeah. uh, I've got uh, a neighbor He's a young man, and he's never been to church. Well, he does. That's all. But he he just don't believe the way Andy does. He just hasn't been into that. And I'd like for to pray for him. What's his first
0: name? God. What was his name?
1: Uh, Gary. Gary.
0: Okay. Other prayer requests. He's yes. I need to pray for um, Jordan and Faith Assembly. Okay. Jordan and Faith Assembly. Let's uh, let's go to prayer. Could I have several lead us out in the Word of Prayer, and uh, throughout the weekend, uh, tomorrow, I appreciate your prayers as well.
3: grow up and live in a free America. Father God, we pray today for our country, because we see it shifting gears on us, something we're not accustomed to. God, we pray for the peace of America, we pray for the peace of Israel, a partnership that needs to be, Lord, and and Father God, I just ask your Holy Spirit uh, to just move in our hearts of our leadership in this country. It's only through a change of heart is there going to be change in this country, in the entire world, Lord. We know that. We know that you're able. We know the, the desire of your heart, Father God. And we pray, Father God, that we would be found worthy, uh, simply to be counted in your, into your kingdom. And Father God, we ask that you help us, that you give us direction and boldness, guidance. Yes that uh, we might share your word mm-hmm. that people might hear and believe and receive and be forgiven and escape the gates of hell yes. Father God we know the desire of your heart we pray Father God that you would plant that desire deep within us as well yeah. Lord we thank you Lord for your uh, saving grace we thank you, Lord, for our atonement. atonement. We thank you, Lord God. For, you're our healer, you're our provider. You're the lover of our soul, Lord. And we simply cannot help but praise you. And so we worship you. Yes. We praise you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. And we pray for peace, Lord God. We pray for peace for America. Father, these guys, these uh, names have been mentioned this morning uh, for Aaron and for Jordan and for Gary. Uh, you know these needs, Father God. And we lift them up to you because they've been voiced. And we ask you to touch and intercede and work in these lives. Amen. For our unsaved loved ones, yes,
1: Jesus.
3: oh Father God, we ask for your help. We ask for your yes. your Spirit to simply move in these lives. We desire what you desire, Lord, mm-hmm. to see to see the people saved. Yes, Father, I thank you, Lord, for our pastor, and we ask that you be with him yes. as he ministers tomorrow night another way to present the gospel, Lord God, that, that will touch people. Bless him, Father God. Speak through him. Yes. We pray yes. that lives might be changed tomorrow night. Yes. Plain city. yes. Oh, oh, Father God, we just praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord when we pray today, we always pray in the name of Jesus, because Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, you will do it. So Father God, we ask in Jesus' name, yes. and we ask in faith, Father God, you. because you are the faithful one. We praise you, Lord, today. We praise you, Lord.
0: Give you praise for all that you have done. And they were, I was doing their wedding. Oh my goodness, he's out of here. Because some of his relatives.